hey, hey, what's going on, people? Pete Davidson here with uh impromptu version of the Rotobomb podcast. That was the great Edwin Starr bringing us in with 25 uh, miles. And, um, you know, I wasn't really planning on doing a pod today, but as it turns out, I got about 45 free minutes here. Um, and, I, you know, there's a lot of stuff I wouldn't mind getting into. So I made a quick little hit list here, and we're going to work through some points. This is a lot of the stuff... Uh, that I've been getting into on Twitter and then you know sometimes these threads just sort of devolve to a place where it's like I don't even know what's going on in this thread anymore so it's easier for me to just talk about it than sit there and get into a back and forth with people who quite frankly have sort of hijacked the thread um not gonna sit here and drag anybody but you know sometimes it just gets pointless to to debate this stuff once a thread gets sort of off point uh anyway um uh, a couple things before we get going here. I will be doing, uh, I've had four rookie drafts. Uh, I, they're all about to come to completion. And then I've got a nice three-week gap uh, before I start up again with more rookie drafts. So um, I'm going to apply what I've learned, put it into some rankings, um, do a rankings list, probably my top 50 players or so, uh, and then do uh, an accompanying podcast. So that's coming up soon. Uh, I will do a little rookie talk uh, here as well. Um uh, additionally, we've got um, some guests coming up um, when I can schedule him, hopefully maybe this weekend, hopefully next week or next weekend, we're going to have Jordan McNamara in uh, for my home version. I, I guessed it on his pod, now he's going to guest on mine. Always um, valuable spending time with Jordan, just a super bright guy. Um, hoping uh, very much to do the first edition, um, something we've talked about, um, something if you follow me on Twitter, you know it's sort of, sort of coming down the pike, but um, we're going to do sort of a, uh, a new show on the Rotobond Network, if you will, uh, but it's going to be it's going to be called uh, Fantasy Highland, where I'm going to review a whiskey or two um, each episode uh, with someone from the fantasy football community. Really looking forward to that. Right now, we've got the first episode scheduled for next week, and my first guest is going to be Scott Fish. And uh, one of the whiskeys we'll be talking about, um, if anybody wants to go out and get some in advance, if you got that kind of money lying around, um, is Balvini 14-year uh, Caribbean cask, which is absolutely wonderful stuff. I actually bought my first bottle um, after winning the Lights Out League. When I repeated in that league, I wanted to treat myself to something nice. Uh, and Scott had been like telling me to upgrade from the Double Wood. Um, it's funny, every time I go in, the double wood is like on sale, it seems. So I keep going in with the idea, well, maybe I'll splurge for the Balvini 14, and then the 12 is on and uh, on sale, you know, at literally like $27 less. Um, you know me, I'm a value shopper. So, uh, But I finally splurged and got it, and I have to say, uh, it's worth the extra money if you have it lying around. Um so really looking forward to sitting down with Scott next week, talking a little bit of whiskey, talking a little bit of fan fantasy football, um, and we'll have obviously more guests uh, after Scott. So if you're a whiskey drinker like me, we're going to have some fun with that. Um, and obviously all the other stuff is going to be going on too. I'm hoping, he doesn't even know this, but uh, I'm hoping to get Adam Hartstadt on the podcast soon. I'm going to see if I can get that scheduled. And I have really a whole list of guests I want to get on uh, if we can find the time. Uh, but again, this is a quick hit pod. That's the wind-up. It's over. Um, we're just going to basically go through a whole bunch of stuff that I think is topical. Um, a lot of stuff that's been getting you know debated uh, on, on the Twittersphere. And I just want to sort of weigh in. Uh, we're going to start with Miles Sanders, uh, Philadelphia Eagles backfield. Now look, they've got some young kids in the backfield that we like. Warren is a good back. Uh, he's like a little bowling ball. 
all. But I, I think, and, and obviously they could bring a vet, in a veteran, and depending who that veteran would be, uh, we could be looking at uh, some goal line issues and stuff like that. I'm honestly not sure that we're going to see a veteran, or at least a veteran that will come in and make a big impact, only because I personally, I think Philadelphia likes the backs they have. Uh, I think they like Sanders, and I think people are really underestimating, A, how good Boston Scott is, and B, how much he, you know, woke them up to what he can do uh, down the stretch last year. I mean, Scott just made, I mean, not good plays, but big plays. I mean, he was making really important plays in big moments, and a lot of them were down near the goal line, inside the 10-yard line. Uh, A lot of them were inside runs. And, you know, I just think if you watch Miles Sanders and Boston Scott, clearly Sanders is the bigger uh, more explosive athlete. I, I, I wouldn't even begin to argue that. I mean, you know, I was on Sanders pre-combine last year. I think he's a guy uh, who has talent. Clearly, he was sort of kept off the radar during the Barkley uh, era, and uh, uh, he was one. Of, you know, sometimes that's the way it happens. We've seen that at Alabama a bunch of times, and and Ohio State, where these guys we don't know that well end up being NFL talents. Um, because they're stuck behind great players. This happens, okay? Um, So, you know, Miles Sanders is not, you know, I don't think he's a flash in the pan, but he is a little raw. He's not instinctive inside. It doesn't, you know, he's, I would say a good back to compare him to inside would be Damian Williams. In fact, overall, not a terrible comparison. Miles Sanders has some Damian Williams in him where, you know, he's good in the pass game. He's pretty smooth as a receiver. He's got a lot of athletic traits that we love, but he's not super instinctive running schemed plays, okay, as a, as a runner, as a ball carrier. Um, doesn't mean he's not going to be good. Doesn't mean he's not going to pay off if you take him in the second round or something like that. But I've heard people talking about Miles Sanders at like six overall, seven, eight overall. I... I don't know how much I love that. I don't know how much I love that. Um, I think I would rather have Miles Sanders fall to me than try to jump up for him. Uh, the, you know, and it's not just about me liking Boston Scott. It's about, you know, Doug Peterson. You know, he likes moving his running backs in and out. He likes having two, even three guys. Uh, horses for courses, situational football, the ability to stick with a hot hand, that kind of thing. So um, I think Miles Sanders will be the back to own in Philly. I think he will be a good fantasy back. I think he may flirt with RB1 value, top 12 value, but if he ended up being just a good RB2, it would not shock me. It would not shock me. So that's where I am on Miles Sanders. If you want to be one of those people who's jumping up to get him, I don't think it's going to kill you because I don't, I think I think his floor is okay, but the, the idea that he's suddenly going to become like a 90% share back, man, I don't know. I just don't see it. I don't see it from that coaching staff, and I don't I don't see him being there yet. Maybe 2021 would be the year for him to do something like that. I don't think it's going to be this year. Um, Moving down, and and obviously tagging onto that, I think Boston Scott, who's basically free in a lot of formats right now, is a good guy to roster. Okay, moving down to the next guy, um, Austin Eckler. Uh, I, you know, made a little post on Eckler last night. Um, in fact, why not just go into, um, you know, my my feed here, and I'm just going to read it just so I get it, you know, just so I get it right. Okay, um, so. What I said is, if you don't think Rivers leaving hurts Eckler, I don't know what to tell you. Few QBs target RBs better or more consistently than Rivers. No way Tyrod or Herbert uh, will compare. 
Um, and I'm not big on Josh Kelly, as I've mentioned. Um, and receptions are where Eckler eats fantasy-wise. So what am I saying? It, it's pretty simple. First of all, two things I think are true for me, uh, you know, with the Chargers. First of all, offensively, they're moving away from offense. They're moving towards sort of a defensive, perhaps a run-based kind of offense, which is just going to hurt the offense going from Rivers to Tyrod and a rookie. Uh, I think, you know, in some ways it'll be better, and we'll get to that in a second, but if you're talking about the running backs... Look, they're going to be keying on the running backs more, and the, the quarterbacks who are going to be in there are going to be, A, less inclined to throw to the running backs, and B, less equipped to do it. Rivers is great at targeting running backs. And I, when I mean great, I mean great, okay? First of all, he always knows where the running back is. Always knows exactly where the running back is, and he's got a lot of different unique ways to get the ball to the running back. And one of Rivers' wonderful traits is when he knows he's going to the back, he will hold the football till the last second and draw defenders to him he's really gifted at getting the running back the ball at the perfect time and creating time pockets and space for the running backs he's so good at it and if you know that's going to hurt Eckler there's no way around it it has nothing to do with Eckler who I think is good Eckler does have a floor he's got some value when we see where his ADP settles you know, we'll talk about how much Eckler do we want to buy and in what formats, but if you think Eckler's going to be as good as he was last year, I just don't see it. Not because so much of what he did was as a receiver, and so much of that was based on Rivers' outstanding ability targeting running backs. That's my point. So if you don't agree with that, hey, lean in. Jump up and draft Eckler in the first round or whatever people are thinking is it makes sense. Not for me. And it's not because the kid's a bad player, obviously. I think Eckler's a very good player. Um... But you want him in an in an offense where the running backs are going to be targeted, a you know as part of the paradigm. I don't think it's going to be the case. B, um, you know, by a quarterback who's gifted in that area. So he's losing both elements to me. Okay, um, the the tag on point that I made this morning on that is that the guy in this offense that I think is going to benefit from the change is Mike Williams. Now. You know, you could argue that Keenan Allen's still going to be good. I think that's probably true. You can argue that Hunter Henry, if he stays healthy, will probably be be pretty good. I think that's true. But if you look at skill sets and the way these guys run their routes and the type of plays these guys tend to make, Mike Williams is going to benefit from these mobile, strong-arm quarterbacks. They're going to be able to take shots down the field because they've got the arm strength to do it, but they also are going to be able to extend some plays, um, which Rivers simply could not do. So when you factor that in with probably being behind in a fair amount of games, I don't think this is a great team. I think you've got a situation where that big dog on the outside could eat. Uh, so I think Mike Williams is probably going to be a little undervalued. I think that's something to watch. Uh, another guy we talked about is uh, Mr. Taysom Hill. Um, you know, a guy who I've seen some of my friends sort of dragging him uh, on Twitter. I'm mostly dragging the Saints, I guess, for what they paid uh, to retain him. And I understand they gave up a lot. Um but I don't know. I mean, I have to say, I mean, this guy made big plays at big times. Um, he can do a lot of different things. Um, I can understand why the Saints did it. I mean, it was a lot of money. I mean, you can hammer them on the, the amount. I don't know if the market would have uh, done anything to force that type of payment. That's a fair question. But I think they are going to get a, a lot out of this player. But the point I want to make with Taysom Hill, um, you know, and, as you know, 
as I said, you know, one thing is true. If you have Michael Thomas in Dynasty, you're happy they added Jameis Winston as a, as a safety net for this season. Um, the point I'm making is, as I say, whatever the duration is that Taysom Hill is a starting quarterback for the Saints, whether it's filling in for Breeze this year during an injury, whether it's taking over for Breeze next season, uh, it's going to be a bad time for Michael Thomas's value. I don't think Taysom Hill can complete enough passes. I think that's why Bridgewater was playing quarterback last year. Um, I think they didn't want to pay Bridgewater to sit around and back up anymore, and you know they, they, they paid Hill instead because he can do things that are value-added without him playing quarterback. So they're going to get something out of Taysom Hill, whether he's the quarterback or whether he's you know the gadget player or whatever you want to call him. Um, you know, but what I'm saying here, and the important thing is that Jameis is nice. Uh, he, I think, he gives, he helps Michael Thomas's floor because if you go Jameis instead of Breeze as the starter, I think Thomas will be just fine. Now, probably he'll get some type of shot in there, um, but you know, I, I just think it's a, it's a general positive that we saw Winston brought in because to me, it's a nod. Uh, that the Saints understand the limitations of um, Taysom Hill as well, and I think it's an, it's just I think it's a good harbinger for Michael Thomas's long-term value. I think it 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 minimizes the chances of a season or two of Taysom Hill as a starting quarterback. I could be wrong, um, but that's one point. And then the other point is Michael Thomas. Folks like myself, well, I think I've got Thomas in all but one of my dynasty leagues. I do not want an extended period of Taysom Hill quarterback for Michael Thomas's value. Uh, next up on the list is Henry Ruggs. For those of you who've been paying attention, you know I like this guy. Um, I just want to just sort of, you know, I, I, to me, Ruggs is just lasting way too long in these drafts. He's at a huge discount. Um, I'm in a QB auction, uh, the Capitalist Pigs um, 2 league run by Scott Fish. It's a 50-16, four-copy league. Uh, essentially, it's the dynamics are a 14-team league. You've got 56 teams with four copies. So it's about a, what typically what you would see in, you know, price-wise, it's what you would see in a 14-team super flex format with pretty strong tight end premium scoring. Um, uh, now, I wanted to repeat as champ last year, but I had too many injuries. Now, I'm trying to come back this year and get my second title in this league. And, you know, based on what the rookie um, auction has produced so far, I'm feeling pretty good. I went in with low money um, because my team's been really strong, so I haven't been able to accumulate a lot of uh, auction funds because, you know, the the weaker you are, the more money you get kind of thing. But just check this out. Just And and Ruggs fits in here. I spent 203 to get Ruggs, which might sound like a lot. I only spent 150 to get Brandon Ayuk, okay? Very happy with those two players. I also dropped $14 on Keen tight end from the Patriots, okay? So I've spent $367 on those three players. Just for some context, okay, Tua right now is at 720 720 people, okay? So, I mean, Tua is going to go for more than twice what I've spent on all my players combined. Herbert right now is at 390 okay? That's like $23 more than I spent on all of these players combined. If you ask me, would I rather have Ruggs or Herbert? I'm taking Ruggs. I understand the upside of Herbert in a, in a, in a super flex format like this. I understand that the teams that don't have quarterbacks have to go out and overspend to get their quarterbacks. But isn't it nice for a team like me where I've got Mahomes and I've got Russell Wilson, I've got my QB spot locked down, I'm, out, I'm able to go out there and attack my weaknesses at value prices. 
Um, so you know, Brandon Ayuk for 150 bucks when people are paying 390 for Herbert, 720 for Tua. You know, Burrow is at 500 and something right now. He'll end up higher than Tua once he's been on the board longer. These prices are absurd. So I, I just the reason I'm bringing this up um, is not to pat myself on the back. Although hey, I'll do that a little. Um, I'm just trying to you know point out that be careful overspending on QBs for need. I think it's better to tr maybe try to trade for your quarterbacks once you, you know, buy the guys who are values and then angle and deals for your quarterbacks. Don't, just because quarterbacks are hard to get, don't use number one overall selections on, you know, guys like Tua. Um, I mean, I understand if you take Burrow, but man, you're, you're passing up on some guys who are locks. Uh, at least Burrow is, I think, locked in, healthy, number one. He's got a lot of talent around him. I can sort of see the Burrow thing, but Nine, uh, 390 bucks for Herbert. I mean, to me, that's just crazy. He's not even on a team that's going to be friendly to the quarterback position, I don't think. Um, so interesting things going on in these drafts. The other dynamic I'm seeing is that people are paying for the running back position. Now, I understand why they're doing it, but in a, in a year where the running where the running backs aren't as good as the as the receivers, you know, I like the idea of moving back a couple slots and being in the Judy Lamb Rugs area. Uh, Justin Jefferson, who's excellent. Um, you know, I love these guys, and if I can pick up a little something to move back and take these receivers instead of the running backs, especially if it fits my needs, I think it's an underrated thing to do. Um, saw a uh, tweet by uh, Ian Harditz, which I thought was good. Uh, Ian was talking about the only running backs you should take before Derrick Henry. I don't even know if I totally agree with this. I mean, I think you could make an argument for taking Henry really just about anywhere. But yeah, these are the guys where if you're going to take anybody ab above Henry, these would be the guys. And we're talking about Christian McCaffrey. Um, and we'll get back to him in a second. We'll go through the names first. Christian McCaffrey, Zeke, Saquon, Kamara, and Dalvin. We'll go through these one at a time. Uh, with McCaffrey, I think, in case you guys don't know about Joe Brady, the new offensive coordinator, now this guy comes from LSU. He's all about getting guys in space, taking advantage of an individual player's skill set in a specific way. I can't wait to see what he does with route design with this team. I think he's going to be really good for McCaffrey, for DJ Moore, for Curtis Samuel, and I think he will use Robbie Anderson as the field stretcher to allow these guys to work underneath more than they have in the past. I think it's really going to work. And I think this all really fits for Teddy Bridgewater, who I think in redraft for this season is an excellent low, um, you know, low price quarterback. Really like Bridgewater this year. Um, with Zeke, I think Dallas, you're talking about a rising tide, so I think more goal line opportunity, more red zone opportunity. They're going to be able to run the ball. It's going to be harder to stack the box. Things look really good for Zeke. Uh, and I think one thing that I haven't heard anybody say this, but I think it's just sort of a natural evolutionary thing that's going to happen this year, but I think you're going to see less Dak Prescott giving up his body to, at the goal line for touchdowns. Dallas simply does not need to do it. They've got the offensive line. They've got the short yardage back. They've got a whole bunch of red zone options now. You know, will Dak score a rushing touchdown? Sure, maybe a couple of them, but it's not going to be the frequency um, that we've seen in the past or the frequency of attempts that we've seen in the past. The, the Dallas simply doesn't need to put their quarterback at risk inside the five-yard line. I mean, you might see it in a really big spot. You might see it in a playoff game or something. I don't think you're going to be seeing that stuff in the second quarter, week three, the way we have in the past. Okay, so I think all those things work for Zeke, um, Saquon. Obviously, health should put him back. You know, in the mix for being the overall RB one. No problem there. Jason Garrett, I think, 
is a plus in that we know he's going to feed the rock to the big dog, but he's a negative in that he's not very imaginative in how he uses a big dog. Now, will Saquon Barkley's broader skill set, I mean, everybody, you guys know how much I love Zeke if you've been listening to this pod, but as much as I love Zeke, you know, you could argue he's a better back than Saquon Barkley, but he's, you know, Saquon's a different back with a different skill set. He's got a whatever you want to call it, a broader skill set than Zeke. I mean, can you stick Zeke in the slot for a couple snaps? Yeah, sure. But Zeke's not going to go into the slot and then, you know, beat a slot corner on a two-way go. You know, freaking Barkley can do that kind of stuff. He can literally go play receiver for you. Um, Now, is, you know, is Garrett the kind of OC that's going to take advantage of that? I would not bet on it. You know, he's got the mental acuity to do it, but he's never shown the, you know, inclination to do it. So I'm in a show-me attitude on that. I'm not going to bank on Jason Garrett suddenly finding an imagination as as a route designer. I mean, if, if it happens, great, but it's not something we can count on at all to me. Um, Alvin Kamara, you know, health. As long as he's healthy, he should be fine. Dalvin Cook, health. As long as he's healthy, he should be fine. Um... So yeah, really like that that list of five backs for Ian, and then I think uh, Derrick Henry's right in that tier uh, with these other guys, uh, in my opinion. Um, I dropped some stuff on Hayden Hurst, some other guys who are even smarter than me, um, even just smarter than me. Uh, guys like uh, Thorman and uh, Rich Rebar uh, have also said some nice things about Hurst. So I think if you're in a dynasty league, particularly tight end premium, I think you're running out of time to maybe steal Hayden Hurst. I think Ian Thomas is another guy. You might be able to steal him if you act fast. I think both of these guys are people to are, are players to target in redraft leagues this year. Hurst a little bit ahead of um, Ian Thomas, uh, but really really like both of those guys. Um, I got into a discussion, not an argument, with with Jeff Hasley about A.J. Dillon. You know, he was looking for guys outside of the big five at running back who you think uh, are going to be really good. And I think A.J. Dillon is still a guy. I obviously was not happy that he got drafted behind Aaron Jones, who's an absolutely uh, talented guy. I would never sit there and say anything bad about Aaron Jones from a talent perspective. But but let's, let's, let's at least read the tea leaves here. They have to pay Jones this year. And, you know, they obviously haven't shown an inkling to do it yet. He's a guy they've had on the dirt cheap now. This is going into year four of that. He's a guy who's had weed stuff off the field. He's a guy where they were looking for ways to get him off the field for whatever reason, playing Jamal Williams. Now, some of that is because Jones is a guy where increased volume doesn't always increase performance. So, you know, if they're long-term objective is to keep Jones in that 15 to 20 touch area rather than letting him get up into the 20s and bring in Dylan as a guy to, you know, 10 to 15 carries to keep Jones fresh. Look, I'm not going to say that's a dumb thing to do, but let's not, you know, a couple things you got to add on on that. Over time, there's a really good chance A.J. Dillon's going to become the guy at the stripe. He's just too freaking good. 247 pounds, and he's way athletic and explosive, okay? That's a problem for Jones. Um, Moreover, you know, if Jones goes, Dylan could be stepping into an absolutely plumb gig. You know, maybe we don't love the offensive stuff, but this is a team that wants to run. He's the kind of guy where even if you say, here he comes, you still got to stop him. I like A.J. Dillon a lot, and there is some upside in this situation if things break wrong for Jones. The other thing is, Jones is a guy... 
he's constantly putting his body in harm's way. He's definitely a guy who can miss time. So to me, A.J. Dillon is a great back to pick up in the mid-second, early third round of rookie drafts. And he's definitely a guy, I think, who could be an absolutely phenomenal handcuff uh, for, for Jones. Uh, Derek Brown brought up... Um, my guy Josh Oliver the other day is a guy to keep an eye on in t- tight end premium formats and maybe bigger redraft tight end premium formats. Um, thanks to Doug Eddy for pointing that out uh, and uh, giving me a little pat on the back. But I think Josh Oliver is a guy don't you know to not forget about. Okay, uh, another guy we've talked about, I've talked about um, recently, and I'm sorry, I know this is going a little long. We'll try to speed this up a little bit. But Brandon Cooks now. We're going to have to see where his ADP settles in, okay? But right now, him and Fuller are going around 40 um, based on ADP I got from my fantasy league. That's nuts. Uh, it's, well, it's nuts for Fuller, and it, it may end up being a value spot for Cooks. Here's the basic thesis here, okay? Cooks has played on a lot of teams with quarterbacks who are aging, who don't have mobility and arm strength, Okay. You know, Tom Brady, probably the strongest arm quarterback he's played with to date, and it was an older version of Tom Brady, okay? So he needed to get things that were schemed for him where the routes worked out and the timing worked out. Now he's playing with a quarterback who's got a big arm, okay, and mobility to buy time. This is new, okay? This is something that Cooks has never had. So this is going to bring some of his other skills into play. Cooks is underrated for his awareness. He can work back to the quarterback pretty well. He can also release if he's got a strong-arm quarterback when things break down. I think this is a great fit for his skill set. Now, why should we not lean in and start taking Cooks in the 20s? And we shouldn't. It's the concussions, okay? So what we want to do with Cooks, ideally, is let him fall to us as our fourth or fifth receiver, and then for as long as he's healthy, we may be able to stick him in there as a very productive third receiver uh, in our lineup for as long as he stays healthy. That's just that's the point I'm making. Uh, Anthony McFarland, running back from Maryland, a guy I talked about a lot pre-combine, uh, a guy I absolutely like, a guy I didn't think had enough buzz. Well... All of a sudden, this guy's got a lot of buzz. He ran well. Pittsburgh took him. Everybody's trying to find the next guy in Pittsburgh. And a lot of people are sort of anointing McFarland just based on some measurables and the Pittsburgh situation. Well, I don't know, man. I look at the Pittsburgh situation, and I see Connor, who's good. I see Benny Snell, who, believe it or not, is pretty good. You know, um, you know, Jalen Samuels is a guy who had to find his total game in the NFL because he's a sort of a jack of all. He's going to be he's going to develop somewhat slowly because he's being asked to do a lot of different things. I think all three of those guys are still getting better. To be honest, don't remember John Connor had, you know, beat cancer a couple of years back, okay? So I think all of these guys conceivably could have their best football in front of them uh, and to think that Anthony McFarlane's going to come in here and turn this whole thing on its ear just because he's fast and exciting, I think be careful. Be careful doing things like taking McFarlane in the middle of the second round. Is the upside there to make that sensical? Yeah, but I think you have to consider the downside. This is a player who split time in college. He's a player who had off-field kind of stuff. He's a player where there were sort of, you know, there's some chatter about him not being all that coachable and stuff like that. So upside, I like it. If I could get this guy where I initially wanted to get him in the fourth or the third round, I'd be all over it. But now we're suddenly having to pay a different price. So this is a guy, don't just go running at the shiny object, okay? I like the kid. I think he's got some upside, but I think he's got zero floor, okay? So when I go, you know, next week I'll post a podcast with my rankings and how I'm going to draft, and I'll talk about ADP, and we'll see where he's sort of settled in and, and whether he's worth taking a crack at. Um, some quarterbacks who I've heard some chatter on, and I just want to sort of 
uh, talk about them. Drew Locke. Drew Locke is a guy with obvious downside. He's a guy who needs to make some improvements if he's going to make it as a long-term plus NFL starter. Okay, I believe everything I just said there. Okay, but I think a lot of people are dismissing Drew Locke in in sort of a dangerous way. I mean, this is a guy who's now going to be, he's got two quality slots who can sort of play differently, right? In in, in terms of uh, uh, Hamilton, um, you know, and the rookie, okay? Obviously, obviously, you know, the, the rookie is exciting. Hamler, the kid out of Penn State, they're both out of Penn State. It's sort of interesting. Um, and then you've got these two mega talents on the wings now, right? You've got Cortland Sutton outside on one, and you've got Judy on the other. Gosh, this is a lot of quality talent for a quarterback to work with. These are guys who can make touchdown plays on the football. These are guys who can do things after the catch. The you know, Hamler in the slot, you've got this explosive guy. No one's gonna have anybody to cover him. Plus, you've got this vertical athlete at tight end, right? And Noah Fant. And you've got now a stable of backs who are all good and who can do things after the catch. So, you know, to me, if Locke is just decent. He could be good for fantasy just because there's so many ways for his receivers to help him. Um, but the other thing I think people are missing on Locke, and again, I have no problem if people want to point out the floor issues because I do think he's a, a guy who's not all the way there yet and maybe doesn't get there. But you also have to understand, this is a big quarterback. He's a big guy, okay? And he's mobile, okay? In fact, you know what? I'm talking, but I don't have all the information in front of me. I'm just going to pull up. Just to sort of underscore what I'm talking about, I'm going to pull up um, Drew Locke's combine numbers, okay? But the, this is a player who y you have to understand the total package that we're looking at here. Um, so I'm just going to pull up Locke's numbers just so I'm not, you know, uh, guesstimating at this stuff. Okay, here we go. Um, I mean, look, this is a kid who weighs 228 pounds and ran a 46940. A 4.69 at 6'4", 2.28. I mean, folks, that's a significant athlete for the quarterback position, and he's got a cannon. Drew Locke's got a cannon. So, you know, it, it, you know, does he make some brain lock plays? Sure. Is he not seeing the play perfectly every single time? Sure. But if you go back and look at his film from last year, for every head scratcher, there's an eye popper, okay? Now, if he just moves the needle on that towards eye popper from head scratcher a little bit, you know, we could have a Josh Allen kind of story here. Now, is he as dynamic a runner as Josh Allen? No. But, you know, this kid can throw the football. He really can throw the football. And if they're going to continue um, to, well, they don't need to give him any more. But with all these downfield weapons, you know, it's interesting. Elway has put a, a, an array of talent around this player that fit his skill set. So, you know, for people saying Drew Locke doesn't have any excuses, hey, I agree with that. Okay, I think yeah, Drew Locke is now in a. You better you know put up and show us something. But you know, I as, as a guy, I can get really late, uh, or as a guy, I might be able to get cheap in a dynasty. Or you know, he's a guy I got with second round picks and some in some super flex leagues last year. You know, people are saying, hey, sell Drew Locke right now. Well, I'm not selling him unless I get something, because the way I look at it, I might be able to hang on to him and then sell one of my studs and just keep Drew Locke and you know really make out big. So. I, 
you know, if you're selling Drew Locke, you don't sell him on the cheap. This is a guy with a lot of hidden upside. The, the floor is weak. I'm not going to, you know, if he bombs out, don't come yelling at me. I understand that he may bomb out. He's got that potential. But don't sleep on the upside. I'm telling you, the upside is significant and it exists. It's a real thing. Okay. Next QB is Gardner Minshew. Um, now, they just signed Mike Glennon, and they got a couple of young guys, but Minshew's the guy here. It's going to be really tough for any of these quarterbacks to take over for him. Dobbs, the rookie, none of these guys are going to be the year one starter. It's going to be Minshew's gig. And look at the weapons. This guy's got four legit receivers, if you include the rookie. He's got D.D. Westbrook. He's got Shark. He's got Chris Conley, who no one talks about Chris Conley. Chris Conley made a lot of big plays last year, okay? Um, and then you've got LaVisca Chenault, my guy. So you've got guys who can make big plays downfield. You've got guys who can free up from the slot. And you've got guys who are dynamic after the catch. So, you know, to me, Gardner Minshew, who's an excellent ball distributor, has got a ball, distribu a ball distribution team around him. Um, so... You know, to me, he's sort of like Teddy Bridgewater light. I, I, you know, in a single QB league, if you just take Binshu with your last pick, you, you know, that may be more than just buying time. He may end up being your guy all year. I like Gardner Minshew. Um, you know, obviously there's some QBs I absolutely love this year, but, and we'll have to look at how ADP shakes out around draft time. Uh, but boy, QB is a deep as hell position. Um, let's talk about Keyshawn Vaughn for a second. Keyshawn Vaughn is a guy I've seen I've seen going ahead of some receivers I really like, um, and basically it's people drafting running back out of need. Now, you know, is Keyshawn Vaughn a guy whose draft stock should have gone up because he went to Tampa? Yeah, I think absolutely good spot for a guy with his skill set, and he does have a decent skill set. He's a good all around back. You know, one of the better pass pro backs. But let's not you know, if we're going to sit here and say, hey, this guy's polished, that's fair. But let's also say this guy, you know, was in school for a long time. This guy um, was like a five-year player. Um, so, you know, he's an older back. Obviously, he better be um, pretty refined. But here's, here's the bottom line when it comes to Keyshawn Vaughn. It's two, two, two things. A, he's ordinary. So even if he wins the gig this year, they take a second-round running back next year, you're shit out of luck. The other problem is he's not as talented as the guy everybody's already got him playing ahead of. Thomas Jones, I think, is more talented than Keyshawn Vaughn. And, you know, he's been in the system. He's got a year with Arians. He doesn't, he's not going to be hurt by the fact that we've got this disjointed training camp. Whatever training camp we're going to have, it's going to be disjointed. It's going to be really tough for rookies this year, particularly tough for rookie running backs who have a lot to learn. So this idea that, you know, take Vaughn because you're going to get immediate returns, I think there's a couple really good reasons why that might not happen. Um, so be careful how much you spend on Keyshawn Vaughn. Be careful taking him ahead of guys like, you know, Rigor and Ruggs. I mean, I, I'm sorry. I just, I'm not doing that. No way, no day. Um, uh, and here's one. And we're getting close to the end here, folks. I know uh, I wanted this to be like a half hour. It's looking more like 40, 45 minutes. You know me. I can't shut up. But um, is Devontae Adams the easy button wide receiver one? I've heard some smart people saying that the last couple of days. I think you make a good argument that he is. Um, I'm just as likely to take Michael Thomas or Nuke, um, DeAndre Hopkins. I understand that receivers are dangerous when they change teams, but we're talking about a superstar here. We're not talking about some B-level guy or some B-plus guy. We're talking about an A-plus talent. Um, and he's going to an emerging A-plus talent quarterback who can buy time. So sometimes 
a quarterback skill set fits quarterback and sometimes it doesn't. But we've seen it with Nuke. A quarterback who buys time is gold for Nuke because Nuke knows what to do when a play breaks down. He knows how to work away and he knows how to work back to his quarterback. And I think that's going to lead to some huge plays uh, with Kyler. So I love Nuke this year. Um, and then, you know, you know, Adams, I think, definitely is a lock for volume. But he's also going to be on that team that has regression written all over it. Um, I think Adams is the safe play, but I don't know that he has the ceiling that some of these other guys have. Unless Green Bay is like a really good offense and they're getting him a lot of red zone opportunity. I don't know about that. I sort of like the other offenses for that factor. Um, and then, you know, I think Tyree Kill could sneak into this discussion. Um, and, you know, as far as values, I think people are, you know, look, and I know some of you may have gotten hurt on my Odell Beckham take last year. Sorry about that. But I think he's a huge value right now at wide receiver 12, which is where I have his ADP. Uh, some other guys who I think are values uh, at wide receiver. Uh, A-Rob, currently wide receiver 16. I think um, worst case scenario, Trubisky. Best case scenario is Foles for him. Uh, and I think Foles would be maybe the best quarterback he's ever worked with. I mean, just go back through his history. It's it's not pretty. You know, you got you've got the uh, you got the Hackenbergs and you've got the Bortles and the Trubisky's. It's it's not a, a very pretty picture. Uh, T. Y. Hilton currently coming in at wide receiver 34. That's a huge value. Uh, and we talked about Cooks and Fuller uh, in the 40s. Um, so that's about it for what I had here. Uh, went about 40 minutes. Um, Hope there was something good in there for you guys, but I just wanted to get the pipes going here. Uh, definitely going to have some podcasts coming up. Um, I'm like, I'm hoping to get Scott Pianowski on the pod soon. We're going to do a little fantasy football, but mostly we're going to talk rounders. Uh, and uh, like I said, going to try to get Scott Fish on next week for our first our first um, uh, fantasy Highland podcast. Um, so we got some good stuff coming up. Hopefully you guys are doing okay with the whole COVID thing. Um, so you know, all the best onward and upward. We'll see you next time. To go so far, I love you as you are. The big top is deserted now, and the circus girl rehearses. She knows how to turn her heads and not fall between two horses. But all that seems a simple step if only I were able to love you like I want to do. And not by sometimes table But there's one thing That I have to keep inside Because I was shaking Why don't you get some pride There was a clown strike And the clowns threw down their tools But you don't have to play so hard And I'm nobody's fool You don't have to go so far Cause I love you as you are And it's pandemonium For the humble and the mighty You don't have to tumble for me Even a clown knows when to strike Tell me what you want to be Or are you Terrified of failure To put on a superstitious face Behind all this paraphernalia We're not living in a masquerade Where you only have three wishes It isn't easy to 
see in a lifetime of mistaken kisses. But there's one thing that I have to keep inside because I was shaking. Why don't you get some pride? There was a clown strike, and the clowns threw down their tools. But you don't have to play so hard, and I'm nobody's fool. You don't have to go so far. I love you as you are.